And we're back. Welcome to the Print Your Games podcast, the podcast about what's new and awesome in 3D printing for gamers. I'm one of your hosts, Jefferson J. Thacker, also known as Param, and I'm joined by... Kristen Sowards, also known as Lost Spheres. And Kristen, you have brought on a very special guest for us this week, uh, somebody that you seem to have been very excited about. Why don't you introduce our guest for us? Well, we have uh, Caleb Goodson from 3D Art Digital with us. Uh, they are one of the first Patreons that I was so impressed by that I dove on that that annual because I just love the the animated and, and like the the energy all the minis have are crazy and the themes are really tight and I'm just super excited to kind of learn how Caleb came to us and uh, how he got into gaming and everything today. So yeah, Caleb, I think. Uh, Welcome to the show, and I'm super excited to have you here. Well, I'm glad to be here, and thank you. I, I didn't know you were that excited. <laughs> this is very flattering. Thank you, sir. <sighs> Nothing but the truth. <laughs> so how did and you... Have... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I have to agree with uh, Kristen here. Your your pieces have a very distinct, refined style. They've, they're very elegant. They're clean, and everything just like exudes professional with the designs and it's a, at a polished level uh, that I am not used to seeing with many of the Patreons or many of the uh, the uh, artists out there. This looks like something I would very much expect to see at some of the high cost booths at Gen Con. Well, that's the strength of our artists, honestly. Um, that's Yulia uh, and Boris Ekin and uh, Sergei Sobol. Uh, they're Ukrainians. Uh, they take their artwork very, very seriously and uh, I'm just... I'm, I'm the idea man. I'm the one that comes up with the release. And they consult me at every step of the way asking, hey, how does this look? Do you think the patrons would like this? Do you think this makes sense? Uh, what what exactly is this? Because <laughs> you know? they're not gamers. Uh, they're artists, so they're not really familiar with a lot of this stuff. Like uh, at one point, they sent me a picture of a displacer beast. And for those of you that don't know, that's like a predatory cat with uh, six limbs and two tentacles sprouting out of its back. And they said, this is great. What is this? that's a displacer beast what is it well it's from dungeons and dragons it's an old monster oh can we make something like this <laughs> yes we can i'll add it to one of our releases and i'll give a description about it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome yeah so uh, it sounds like oh go ahead i was just gonna say recently popular in the dungeons and dragons trailer that just dropped there is a, a displacer beast running around there so a whole bunch of people now are curious what they are oh i saw that yeah that looks like fun yeah. And uh, some of the artist depictions of the Displacer Beast, you know, it's very difficult to get such a, a monster looking cool because with those two tentacles out of its back, it looks kind of goofy. And uh, it can look like a, a little bit slappy. Right, right. But there was one rendition I saw that was really good. The Displacer Beast was actually using the tentacles to push itself into a leaping position oh. while its claws were coming down towards an adventurer. I really liked that. And I thought that uh, that sort of style would kind of work because that makes sense. Very, very. Yeah. Um, so obviously, if you know what a displacer beast is, and you know where it comes from, gamed in the past. How did you get into, you know, how, how'd you start that? Well, uh, I've been a game master for about 30 years. Uh, awesome. Me yeah, too. A couple of, <laughs> so I'm 42. So, that, 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 so at the age of 12, I encountered a couple of friends. Uh, that happened to have a Dungeons and Dragons book. And um, I flipped through it. I looked at it and I thought, well, this looks neat. And then um, I just went on from there, learned more and more about it. And eventually I started running my own games. Uh, the first game I actually ran was the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles RPG from Palladium. Uh, and Bull. Other Strangeness. Yeah, yes. Other Strangeness, right. I got to get the title correct. Right. Yes. No longer in print. 
I have yeah. it all. I still have them all mine. After the bomb, uh, the one that came out with uh, in the 90s, uh, that was kind of the successor to that, is excellent. Uh, I still run that uh, from time to time. And uh, that one, that one, I get requests to run it from my uh, my gaming buddies. They just Very really cool. love how over the top it is. That is awesome to hear. So is, did you say dungeon mastering? Is the world we're seeing glimpses of in uh, your Patreon releases, is that inspired by your world specifically? It is from my world specifically. All of it. Awesome. Okay. Every cool. bit you see um, is one of my brain children. That is very cool to know. Um, so do I, do you mind me uh, putting you on the spot and asking what edition you generally run for, or do you care? I, I don't care. I, I, don't, I don't care one bit. Uh, normally I run Pathfinder first edition. Uh, you know, as an old oh, thing, this is know. why you like him, Kristen. <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know that. But you're speaking to my heart. Three five Pathfinder first is is my jam. So awesome. Uh, Sorry, keep going. I, I have looked at Pathfinder second edition, um, and I'm considering running that because uh, it does allow for a variety of character types. You know, I really like the idea of uh, say running around as a skeleton or uh, running around as uh, an abomination with uh, beastkin uh, ancestry. I think that looks really cool and. Uh, I, I like I like my players having options like you know because it, it is fun doing the standard fantasy races but sometimes you want to just expect it out of that yeah I published third party content for PF1 just because I, I love the weird stuff so I I totally hear you oh yeah 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 and I've, I've had a couple of articles published in uh, Palladium books as the rifter I was so into after the bomb I came up with uh, a bunch of new types of mutant animals and um I came up with a system that allowed you to uh, mix and match the DNA types from uh, mutant animals so you could oh. make things like a griffin or, or stuff like that if you wanted. That would have been cool. Some, like, chimera-type characters. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, of course, uh, there was a price for it. Like, if you uh, mess with your DNA too much, uh, there was a chance that you could become so mutated, you essentially became this feral beast, which you could still play as. It's just you would lose a bunch of your skills, and you were just uh, ba basically the party's pet is what would happen to you. That's cool. Uh, the price of power. And, of course, anytime um, you became a chimera, you would be sterile, which... Uh, after the bomb doesn't really touch on that, but um, there's an importance in having children because everyone's DNA is so altered and so messed up. Yeah. It's hard to procreate. So children are exceedingly valuable. I could see that after the bomb was, was really an interesting setting. I also did a lot of mutants down under stuff kind of mixed into it. When I oh, yeah, it. Yeah. It's very cool. Um, kind of tell us maybe more about your, your world though, that your, your Patreon releases are set in. I'm curious about. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I call the world Saroth and uh, like anything else, there's uh, people, places, settings, nations, uh, things of that nature. Uh, there are gods and uh, the gods are uh, embodiments of universal concepts, uh, so to speak. Like, uh, there's one god okay. that we've actually done a, a, a 3D render of, and we sold that in uh, our first Kickstarter together. Uh, Puffnathrax uh, Corona, too. That's the machine dragon. So, yeah, I saw the big dragon, and it's a god. I didn't realize yeah. that. Oh, yeah, he, he's a god. He, he is the god of uh, courage, ambition, and wealth. Hmm. And he is exceedingly arrogant. And his origin was um, he was getting old. He was an ancient dragon, and he didn't want to die. And uh, he thought that undeath was beneath him. So he decided to have a mechanical body constructed for him. When he transferred his soul into the uh, mechanical body, uh, something went wrong. And so it's in a constant state of corrosion and uh, rebuilding. So gotcha. that's why he kind of looks a little rough. His wings are a little tattered. And uh, you'll see that he's kind of got a few chips in, in his uh, claws and things like that. That's to represent that uh, corro corrosion. And uh, 
I named him Puffnathrax because, you know, Puff the Magic Dragon and then Permathrax Quadrorative is the uh, dragon. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of wondered when I saw Puffnathrax. I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a double reference there. Do you not have enough Puff the Magic Dragon reference gaming these days? <laughs> and he also came with a big temple, I think. So I uh, guess that yeah, makes yeah. sense. Because I figured, I figured maybe it was his lair, but I do remember that it was called the temple. So that's that's awesome. Mm -hmm. he was oh, yeah, yeah. There, there's even an entire order dedicated to him, the Order of the Tarnished Scale, uh, consisting cool. of um, knights and uh, the occasional paladin. He doesn't sponsor many paladins, though, because uh, I'm of the old school belief that paladins should be sponsored by good gods, not Every deity gets a paladin because that makes no sense at all. Why, why trying to protect you from the five E players. Why, I don't <laughs> care. Why? Come at me, five E players. Why would the god of torture need a paladin? Yeah. Well, I just called that an anti-paladin back in the day. Yeah, I hear you. Um, so, how did that translate? Like, you know, you you got this world. How did you start moving into the idea of sharing with people and getting the art artists to sculpt and everything that started? Well, uh, the funny thing about that is, um, I discovered three D art digital by accident. Okay. I've always been um, a, a mini painter, and um, just scrolling through Instagram, I found this very beautiful uh, orc uh, statue, an orc warlord. And I looked at it, and uh, you could see the veins and the muscles, uh, facial expression, just how very aggressive it looked. And I just kept staring at it, and then I read the description, and I said, oh, God, these people can't speak English, like, well, at all. Okay. It's, it's, it, this is the most broken – yeah, that's it right there. It's the most broken English I've ever seen in my life. So I contacted them, and I didn't know this, but I was contacting the wife of one of the artists, and I said, hey, your English needs help. And uh, she said, yes, but we cannot pay you. I said, that's fine. I said, I'll, I'll help you. Really? Yeah, absolutely. So I helped them out with their first Kickstarter, which was, um, I think, Orcs and Goblins, something like that. I don't remember exactly the name of it. Oh, the Warlords. Orcs and Goblins, the Warlords. And okay. that was a success. And then uh, they contacted me later on and asked for my help with another one, which is a bunch of busts. So I named all their busts and wrote descriptions for that, and that ended up okay. And uh, I, they asked me why it wasn't it wasn't more successful. And I said, "Well, guys, you did busts. You're not going to make a lot of money off of that. This is a niche market no. within a niche market." Right. And uh, yeah. I said, "Okay." Like, we, oh, sorry. Go ahead. So we've we've heard some of that that same uh, uh, disappointment in bus sales from like uh, a tyrant troll uh, does beautiful, wonderful busts, but you know, like the demand, the pressure is to make more fantasy game figures and like the world needs more beautiful busts because we've got a whole bunch of orcs, but there's not where the money is. Oh yeah, absolutely. And mm -hmm. I mean, sorry, and the busts are wonderful, but mm -hmm. <laughs> they're not going to sell as well. It's just how it is. Right. And, um, then they came to me a third time and they said, hey, we, we want to work with you again, but we don't have any ideas. I said, oh, really? <laughs> well, 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 guys, uh, here's what we'll do this time. I said, um, a percentage, we're gonna, I want a percentage of whatever it is you get, take in. And uh, in addition to that, I want you to bring me in fully as like a partner. I said, okay, well, we'll discuss it. And about half an hour, they came back and they said, yes. I said, okay. I said, well, here's our page. And they had no ideas. I said, all right, give me a, a little bit. So I filled it up with all the ideas um, in that Kickstarter. Um, the one that we called uh, Survivors of Sarath. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That, that, Sorry, that I packed that one. That particular Kickstarter. Oh, thank you. And uh, I came up with that in about uh, a couple of hours. And then after that, uh, they said they wanted to do a Patreon. I said, okay, no problem. So I filled up enough releases to last two years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I had the next two years planned out. And uh, then, well, the war. <laughs> yes, yes. And they're all Ukrainians. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And, and I, there are so many 
artists, uh, especially in the wargaming and miniature field in Eastern Europe, in Europe, and um, so to hear that there are groups in Ukraine is no surprise at all, and I can't even imagine what that's like. So sorry for interrupting you there. Oh, no, sorry. Um, well, it, it was pretty terrifying. Uh, I had been warning them for uh, about six months that to get out, and uh, of course, you know, you don't want to believe that your homeland is going to get attacked. But I, I said, guys, I'm looking at everything and it looks like they've got you in a pincer. You need to get out. They said, oh, no, it'll be all right. It'll be OK. They're just saber rattling. Well, OK, I hope I'm wrong. And then war broke out. I didn't hear from anybody for uh, a week. Yeah. 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 You mentioned I, I, I was freaking out, too, because these these people were my friends. I mean, they called me brother. It, it was like it was like they were like family. And uh, yeah, I was messed up until I started hearing. I said, hey, we're OK. We're here. We're all right. We're over here. We're OK. I said, oh, OK, thank God. And then uh, Sergey, um, one of my team members, contacted me and uh, he sent me pictures. He and a bunch of other refugees had got together and were actually feeding people in Kharkiv, which which is his hometown home city, I guess you should call it. And uh, he said, hey, uh, Caleb, yeah, you know that project we were working on together, you and me? We were doing a little side project basis. And uh, I said, yeah, yeah. Can we do that for like a charitable thing? I said, well, yeah, but bro, it's only halfway done. We don't have enough. And uh, he said, well, wh what should we do? Said, well, my reputation is solid. Your reputation is solid. Let's just start asking other creators. Let's just see what we can do. And maybe we can get enough product to maybe put something together. And uh, guys, it was unbelievable. It was just like a trickle and then a rainstorm and then a flood. And then we had over $1,000 worth of digital product. Yeah, it's a huge value. But a uh, community response of that Kickstarter, wow. Oh, yeah. I mean, I wasn't expecting that. And I wasn't expecting it to take in as much money either. And it was just Sergey and myself running things. And we were quickly overwhelmed uh by it the the kick yeah the kickstarter ended with four hundred and forty thousand usd yeah and then it was carried over to my mini factory and that raised another um i think a hundred and thirty thousand i'd have to look at it that is correct mm -hmm. and it's actually still available for late pledges which i was very happy to see so that can still get yeah so yeah so if there's any community members that still haven't uh helped out or, or and want to you can go to the frontier page and still pledge in to uh to get more to make that number much higher yeah that's uh that's important and what he's done with the money, uh, as you can see from some of the pictures that we posted, has been really good, too. Not only did we have enough money to fund a team in Kharkiv, uh, we actually had enough money to fund a second team in Nikolayev. So we've got two sites now that are producing food and uh, feeding these people who really just need, who don't have a source of, of good food, and now they're getting it. Wow, that's incredible. So that's like, so like money has already been like put into place and the, the actual relief efforts are underway. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can see it on our Discord. Sergey uh, posts, he, he just posted uh, 10 days ago, actually, mm -hmm. uh, showing off um, what's going on in uh, Nikolayev. And uh, he posted um, the delivery vans he picked up, the fuel, um, all the food, um, the, the boilers that he's got. Uh, he's got some that run on uh, fuel and that some that run on, not run on, some that work with uh, firewood. In case the power goes out, they can just chop down trees and still make food for the people. Yeah, the, the man really thought of everything. That's amazing. Yeah, and, uh, and I, I told him several times, I said, brother, I wish I was with you and your team doing the real work. And he said this. He says, no, you are our master of words. You must be here where you are. I said, okay. <laughs> okay. 
I just well, remember seeing the Patreon post and seeing that, like, you know, they were literally fleeing from their lives. And, like, you know, I, I was very happy that patrons, at least from my visible standpoint, like, everybody seemed pretty supportive. Um, most were. I got one or two private messages like, you didn't, you, I demand a refund. And I said, oh, okay, fine. Uh, That's unfortunate. Go with, go with God. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I... I really can't help that uh, the artist country was attacked. Right, right, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, good grief! It's you. You put it on pause too. You didn't. Um, I'm sorry. You put your Patreon on pause. It's not. It's not like you were charging people and not delivering. Yeah, like no, you've no. all been like incredibly above board with explaining the situation and what's going on and uh, and, and the difficulties and keeping people updated. I'm surprised anybody had any objections. Well. It doesn't matter what you do. You're always going to get somebody that complains about it, and uh, it's gonna you're going to get somebody that um, wants to attack you for it. I mean, even when you're doing good, I had a one I had one person message me um, about this Kickstarter, uh, accusing me of being a you know a fraud and a scam artist. And uh, I just said, look, man, just look at the pictures we posted. I, right. I, if you don't want to support it, that's fine. You don't have to. Nobody says you have to. I I, I don't know what you're what you seek to accomplish here yeah it makes no sense but like oh like yeah i understand like there have been like fairly prolific bad act you've got pictures going you've got town you've got very very open lines of communications you've got a humongously well-respected uh reputation plus all the artists that have chipped in to help when we first started just so like our, our audio listeners wouldn't be able to see this but when we first started talking about this like 10 minutes ago, I pulled up the page and started just scrolling at a brisk pace through the list. And I'm not even, I'm two thirds down the page. This is how many, how many STL files were in this uh, charity bundle? Bro, I haven't counted it. I mean, I know it's over 2,000, but I don't oh, know. The yeah, easily. Oh, you, you'll like There's this. There's those so we were talking about before the show. <laughs> I had one guy <laughs> saying he didn't want to bother setting up an account with my mini factory to get these files and asked oh, me if oh I would be willing to send them, send them to him through a Gmail account. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I wrote him. I said, it's over 2000 files. <laughs> it would be faster to mail a hard drive. <laughs> yes. I said, I said, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> oh, uh, one gold piece is one of my favorite contributors there in here too. Well, and so know, many. This... I, I, I'm being unfair not calling out everybody involved because it seems like it was everybody. Just about. There's yeah. Asgard Rising. Almost, almost. Yeah, and there's us. There's Sergey. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh! Like working off of a pallet table with a folding chair and laptop. He, I guess he's like in a bunker too. By the oh, way. Oh wow. Yeah, that, that's a bunker. Oh man. Well, like, and that, like, you... like an underground shelter. And he was sharing that with ten other guys. Wow. Yeah. And it's not a that is that already does not look like a big space. Um, no. But it, it looks better than my college dorm room, though. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there's always that age-old question: compared to what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so yeah, another silly. thing I would throw, throw about it being still open. If you haven't, you know, if, if a listener hasn't supported it, if you are getting into 3D printing, want to support a good cause, and just get a blast of so many different creators to kind of see the style you like, this is it. Like good cause, huge variety, and immediately getting a sense of their their creations. 
I would definitely check and this out. If you're going to keep your printer busy for a while, like it's oh, a yeah. great starter pack to getting into it. I know a lot of people that are watching the show um, are getting into 3D printing for the first time. I know because we get messages like all all the time after every episode about, hey, what's a great printer to start with? I'm getting uh, so many of those lately. Well, we also have a lot of listeners that are building collections before they start, which mm-hmm. is is amazing to me but like yeah this would be a, a huge surplus of stuff i mean you could almost fill out your whole couple of whole campaigns yeah james says uh great sampler to find new artists totally exactly oh, yeah, that absolutely which was an, what un- did it, an unintended happy uh consonants what did it feel like to see so many of the artists in the field coming in to help out with this like it literally looks like it was almost everybody that i know of that's in that's producing right now um it was amazing I, I mean i wasn't really expecting that much and to see all that come in uh to know that um uh, this many people care first of all uh, and secondly that uh, this many people would trust sergey and myself was uh it, it was heartening i mean it was um you know it's it's easy to see the evil in the world because it's always right in your face and in human nature you always want to know where evil is so you can avoid it uh, you have to search a lot of times to see the good and to have the good just present itself to me over and over and over again. It's um, it was great to see it. And it restores a lot of faith, humanity in general. And speaking of restored faith, uh, recently on Patreon, you mentioned that uh, your, your people are all safe now, right? Yes. And that maybe, maybe given things you're, you're, you're going to be getting back in the swing of things. Do you have any, uh, any things uh, you want to talk to us about coming up? Or I too can. soon for that. I can't say anything yet because uh, it okay. is too soon. Okay. Uh, we have had one of the uh, patrons offer uh, shelter and a space mm-hmm. to work. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, which which is really, really good. Uh, I'm not mentioning any names because... Uh, yeah, no. Permission Makes sense. That. Yeah. Uh, but it's very heartening. Um, everyone is safe, except Sergey. But, you know, Sergey's in the thick of it trying to help and feed me. But the others are safe. And so we should be able to start back up soon. You mentioned in one of your posts that one of your team members uh, was accepted as a refugee in Japan. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, where's Am? The guy who does our uh, supports. Well, that's his name on Discord. I, I don't have permission to give his, his real name. So he's just where's Am. And uh, he actually sent some pictures from his stay in Japan. And it's interesting. I, of all the countries to give him refuge, um, it ended up being Japan. That's very cool. Um, he uh, he actually still posts on our Discord. Um, thankfully, he's posting less uh, flashes of missiles and, and bullets now, and more memes. And uh, you know, I'm okay. That kind of that's it's good. Yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine how how, how uh, nerve wracking it must be to have people you care so much about in such a dangerous situation. Um, when it first happened, I didn't sleep for three days. I can imagine. Yeah. I was uh, I was a wreck, and I, I was deeply deeply upset. Of course, and I, and I just didn't know what to do. And that was one of the things, um, you know, I'm, I'm in my 40s. I'm basically a scholar and philosopher. Uh, I mean, I'm tough, but I, I'd be no use in a, like a, a battle. I mean, it's ridiculous just to even think about that. But that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go over there and rescue my friends. You know, that's what, what most guys would think. Right. And so I, I desperately wanted a way to help. And you know, Sergey comes along with this. And I said, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll help. Well, whatever you need, brother. And so I, I wrote up emails to send to the artists, you know, inspirational things to say, uh, uh, inspirational things to get people to donate, things like that. Because, uh, you know, I'm a pretty good writer and a pretty good speaker. So I was able to use the communication skills I have to, to help. Thank God I was able to do that. I mean, it obviously 
you were able to do a lot then this hit the entire community everybody knew about this when it was happening um it got way out there massively successful and really your team should be applauded for like yeah it's it's real easy and 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 uh can somewhat even seem a little selfish to want to like go solve it yourself on the ground, like from over here. But like you, you all were smart. You have team on the ground there. You worked with like you, you made actual change happen using the real resources and not the, the fantasies you wish of things you wish you could do. You actually did, did make change. Well, there's that. That is true. It's, it's uh, so it's talk about is that, you know, doing heroic gaming, fantasy or role-playing, whatever, I think that it can give us like the, the the firmware in our brains to actually be heroic. And it's so cool to actually see you as an enthusiast actually live up to it, where, you know, you turned that kind of heroic gaming into the actual fuel to do something actually heroic. And it's amazing to me. You know, I didn't think about that. That is an interesting thought, though. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Nice perspective. So uh, could you give us a little bit more about like like the actual, like, feedback of you you mentioned there's there's lots of pictures like uh like some examples of some of the good it is doing now that you've actually you know pulled it off oh um do you, what, what do you mean by feedback do you mean people talking about it or or do you mean no no like just i'm sorry you said just, you have two different success missions like success, you have two different sites running now you got to open a second oh, oh yeah yeah okay so we've got the site in kharkiv and we've got the site in mm -hmm. Nikolai. And you know, hundreds of people are getting fed every day. Right. I mean, just just That's the pictures that Sergey sent. I mean, it's just a very small amount of what he and his team are doing. Mm -hmm. And um, did did you see the picture of his hands by chance? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. Um, he sent one, and I, I had to post it because uh, he had messed up his hands actually. Oh, no. So much labor doing so much work of course he has better tools now but <laughs> they were they're working with hand tools and so you can actually see the sacrifice that uh, these these people are making to help their own people because these these are ukrainian refugees who are helping other ukrainian refugees which in itself is remarkable yeah and and it is really heartening to know that like when you're work when when you're contributing to something like this you're contributing to actual people on the ground working it whereas um, other contributions, while always helpful, can sometimes get lost in bureaucracy. Oh yeah, absolutely, and that's there's always a danger of that. Uh, any mm -hmm. any sort of large organization um, just sucks up money in, in bureaucratic costs. Well, you didn't really have that because it was just two guys, right? And of of course, uh, you know, Kickstarter will take its due, and uh, you know, there'll, there'll be taxes on it and things like that. But the majority of the money is going to help the people, and that's what's it. You've done um, a lot of big campaigns like this, and uh, you've done the, the Kickstarters, and then you started moving into uh, regular Patreon releases. Uh, which of those two strategies uh, do you find yourself most comfortable doing? Uh, Kickstarter. I think that uh, Patreon is a huge grind. I think that uh, it's a real drain on the artists who are working on Patreon to uh, produce so much content. And um, I think that uh, Patreon produces a lot of, uh, actually a lot of fickle people, if I'm going to be, you know, completely blunt. You mean like in terms of patrons? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, some of the insulting things they say on the way out to is sort of, sort of like, man, you would never say that if I was standing there right in front of you. <laughs> really? Unfortunate. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like uh, the, at the, you know, because when you cancel a Patreon, there's always a, a, an opinion survey right. at the very end and you can say mm -hmm. something. And 
some of the stuff I just quit reading it because it's, it's just it gets disheartening. Like, uh, you know, you, you're just not good enough. Um, there was one that. Uh, all right. So we did um, like the undersea kingdom, the kingdom of coral. And then we did right. the pirates. And then right. we decided to do some sea monsters, too. You know, we had you know, three of real cool sea releases. Right. That turned out to be a massive mistake. <laughs> oh, no. Yes, yes. That, that turned oh, out no. to be a, a, an error. Uh, there were people who left over it because we had, you know, three months of, you know, sea themes. And that was only because everything that I had come up with was so big, it wouldn't fit in a single release. Because um, right. as the artists and I fed off of each other, we were coming up with more and more interesting things to create and produce. Like, uh, was the Coraline, Kingdom of Coraline? You've got one of the best sea monsters going. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was actually, I think that was two releases in one. No, no, not two releases in one, but it had to, it ended up having to be two months worth of releases because we had so many. Well, and then there's also a pirate one too, right? Yeah, 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 the, um, the, the pirates. That's, yeah. uh, that that one ended up being pretty cool too. And then we um, we had were sharks, and yeah, you know, a lot of people didn't like the were sharks. Oh yeah. I mean, just to be like, uh, just to share some of your pain, our, our all aquatic episode seems to be one of our underperformers too. Aww. So like something about uh, aquatic adventures seems to uh, there's a lot of demand and a lot of people want it. And when I was doing the Pathfinder podcast, there was always like a big clamor for us to review the pirate stuff. Um, but like it just didn't pull the numbers, and that's sad because yeah, it's, pirate cool. It's so especially this freaking ogre pirate riding on the front of a ship with a harpoon. Oh man, okay, that's Johnny Blackguts. All right, let me tell you about Johnny Blackguts. <laughs> There's no the conversation that's not awesome. It begins with let me tell you about Johnny Blackguts. <laughs> Uh, all right, yeah, yeah, I'll use the right voice. Let me tell you about Johnny Blackcut's mate. All right, right. <laughs> ogres on the hunt for their father of all rare sharks, a giant, great, scarred rare shark called the Shark Father. And I had that planned, but the war broke out now, and now we've got to do the Shark Father later. Oh, <laughs> uh, we'll never get the shark. I will hopefully. But you do have his probably. minions. I have seen the the were shark. There's a like some, some troops, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The sanguine sea. That's right. Yeah. So we did. The, um, okay. The the we parrot. The we got to oh. talk about the parrot. Oh, oh big the, Polly. The gargantuan six inch tall parrot. <laughs> oh, okay. It's a you, nightmare. You, you want to know where Big Polly came from? Okay. Um, mm -hmm. Big Polly came from a childhood drawing when I was about seven years old. Okay. Uh, I had seen the movie Predator. Right. And for some weird reason, I was looking at parrots, and then I was thinking about the predator, and then I thought, parrotator. <laughs> <laughs> Portmanteau, the, the, the parrot. And so I drew this giant parrot as a little kid, and Big Polly has been in my head ever since. And so I told them about it, and I said, yes, we must do this. This is fantastic. So Big Polly. Finally got to see him uh, in real render. Yeah, there he is in all his glory. And um, like, it, it looks evil. It, it has like a death glare. Like there are people that said like, hey, T-Rexes might be birds more in real life than actually. This parrot has convinced me. <laughs> um, also, also, there was this uh, parakeet that my uh, uncle had owned named Peavis. And Peavis had inhaled some glue when he was younger. And so he was brain damaged. Oh, no. And 
he was this psychotic little bird that hated everything that lived. He would try to attack you and bite you. And of course, you know, his little beak wouldn't do any damage, but he tried. And so uh, I remember Peavis and I channeled a bit of his spirit into Big Pauly when I wrote him up. I like the uh, the hammerhead shark dudes in these too. That's that's a little unusual to see that variety because you've got both kind of your standard, like your great white looking guys, and then you have the hand, hammerhead looking ones as well. Well, you mentioned you paint uh, miniatures. Oh yeah, and I actually I think I saw one of your paint ups in the Kickstarter, right? Like um, oh yeah, I painted a, a few of the bases. Like I did the big skull with the tree coming out of the eye, and then yeah. uh, I did one that I did in an icy theme that has a bunch of skulls on icicles. And then uh, I did a fiery one that uh, I did in green flames, which uh, I, I enjoy green fire because of uh, the, the concept and the idea. And oh, what yeah. you can actually do if you just throw some copper and some fire and it, it'll turn. I always think of uh, Secret of Nam, I think, caught, got me into the green flame because the Nicodemus had like green fire all around him. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, well, that would do it, too. Uh, plus, there's always the... One of my favorite... Sorry? Uh, uh, right. uh, plus, the, there's always the Skaven with the warp fire, you know, always the, the little... Oh, yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite sets that you all did is the uh the witch hunters especially when the ogre witch hunter showed up and i don't know what it is but i like about really cool freaking ogres but like the four barrel boomstick that this vampire hunter is showing up like if i was a vampire i would wet myself the moment this thing stepped through the door you know the the funny thing about the quad barrel shotgun boris mm -hmm. sends me this idea and he says uh, Sir Caleb, they, they call me Sir Caleb. That's an old thing. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I said, do you think this will work? And I said, yes, this will work. <laughs> do it. <laughs> Four-barreled shotgun? Yes. That's the most we can do here in the United States is a triple-barreled shotgun. I didn't, didn't know there was a limit. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is a limit because, uh, you know, you don't want to throw your shoulder out of socket. <laughs> Fair enough. But the ogre can handle it. He can handle the quad barrel. Oh, absolutely. Sure can. And um, yeah. I, I, love, I love I love that it's got the silver werewolf head underneath it. That is like a wonderful detail. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, they uh, they always throw in small things like that. Uh, yeah, I mean the artists are phenomenal, as you can see. And the the render here, because they're using a source lighting, you can't really see his face very well, but his face is just incredibly well sculpted. And he he looks yeah, that you can see a little better there. Yeah, just the ogre fangs jutting out, just this look of disdain on his face. Just, beautiful and it's an ogre on by way of a slightly squished clint eastwood <laughs> uh, yeah yeah kind of it does have some elements of the man with no name i do like yeah, I, I love that like Victorian dark horror theme on, on on things. So like this this was the set that got my attention uh, the most. Like this is when like uh, this is when you, your team really peaked on my radar. <laughs> I uh, I do love the uh, the vampire hunter theme and it, it is a lot of fun. Uh, I think the one I, I like. I like the idea of teaming up that ogre vampire hunter with our tiefling cleric and uh, kind of a buddy cop moment uh, there. Yeah, yeah, kind of. And uh, some of the flavor texts I wrote actually have them talking to each other. Like uh, the, the the tiefling is blessing him, and the the ogre is actually kneeling with, with his hat up underneath his uh, his uh, shoulder there, getting his weapon blessed. And one of the one of the flavor texts I wrote, yeah. I, I liked the idea of them being together. And, of course, the artists liked the idea of a, of a devilish priest who's a really a good guy. I was going to say um, the uh, far, Farsan, Farsan, the the desert-themed set. Oh, the Farsan Satrapies, yeah, yeah. I think that was what got me to fully like commit to the, the, the big membership. I was like, I need this. I want more of this. Uh, now, Farsan, Farsan is one of my favorite settings that I've created. 
uh, Farsan is a, a combination of uh, Orthodox Islam and um, uh, the Aztec religion. Hmm. Interesting, Masha. Their god, Suktin, is uh, he who calls the weak, and uh, he despises weakness in any form. So in this uh, country, you're not even allowed to engage in first aid on it, uh, perform oh, first aid on it, or magical healing. That's all illegal. Either you survive or you die, and whoever's strong enough to reproduce, they were the strong ones. Is that another ogre in there? Uh, that, that's an orc. It's an orc, the big, the big dude with the chains and everything? You're sitting has some beefy orcs. Yeah, um, yes. We, there, there are actually three half orcs in this release. Uh, there's one with the executioner sword holding the head. Yep. There's another one. He's got a turban on his head. And then there's a lady um, up top, and she's got a big scimitar with a shield. Uh, the fellow with the chains. Uh, all right, this is a, a race that I created specifically for my world called the, the Jupawin. And uh, the Jupawin are human beings who are afflicted with what I call the beast curse, which okay. is essentially lycanthropy. Except you don't manifest this until you hit puberty. And when you hit puberty, that's when uh, the curse kicks in and you turn into sort of an animal-human hybrid. Gotcha. And because werebeasts are persecuted, most of them have been driven into the deserts by these uh, by the other civilizations. And so the Farsan satrapies hunts the werewolves of the Jipwin, and they perform experiments on them. So what you're seeing here is uh, what's essentially a warrior slave. Uh, gotcha. You can't really see it in this render, but he's got some alchemical vials in his back where uh, uh. They, they pumped up his curse to 11, uh, added some magic to it, and he's got these roided out muscles as a result. Right. I, yeah, and you're flipping through now to take a look. Well, I think the giant lizard's distracting. The, the, if you're listening to this, this giant lizard that's like next to our big uh, steroid werewolf man, he's also <laughs> quite intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's uh, I, I, they blew me away when they showed me that. I said, hey, check out this one. I said, oh, wow, okay, yeah, I approve. That's that's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, you can now, see the, uh, the yeah, you can actually see the alchemical vials now a little bit around his collar. Right. For our listeners, they're these giant uh, vials just like plugged into this were tiger panther thing, uh, covered in chains and tubes. It kind of looks like what Scavens would do to a house cat. <laughs> yeah, kind of, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that comparison is that. Yeah, but we uh, we also have um, a whole release based on the Jipawin, like the different tribes of Jipawin or, or Werebeast, what have you, that uh, we were planning on releasing too. I'll cross my fingers. Everybody <laughs> yeah, stay yeah. safe because yeah. I, I have missed that monthly drop of amazingness for sure. But yeah, and li um, lives are more important. But Right, right. And the reason I created them was, uh, you know, I had different people who wanted to play as, you know, an animal person in, in a fantasy world. And you can only have so many societies and so many different intelligent species in your world before it begins to feel bloated. And you start getting um, the question, okay, why is this, why are they here? Right. What's the history behind them? And it's too much. So I just made them humans who were cursed. Sure. And so you could get any kind of animal person you wanted. Get all from, of your beast men and your, your right. boar people and your tiger right. people. Yeah. Right. yeah. And all that. And they're all from the same tribe, and they can procreate with each other because they're just humans. Right, and then the curse does whatever it does. Right, it does whatever it does. So when when one of these um, is born, they're born human. Yeah, it's that's the that's probably like the one of the biggest differences between a fantasy setting and a sci-fi setting is you go to a sci-fi setting, 
and usually it's like every unique intelligence uh, sapient. Am I thinking of sapient the right word here? Species yeah, is what you're looking. Sapient sentient. Yeah, uh, they both work, but go on. Uh is like from a unique planet and even Star Trek made a big deal like the few times they go to a planet and there's two. And but you go to any given fantasy world and when uh with you know few notable exceptions, uh, your your but your traditional token one is like there are thirty seven different types of elves and dwarves and half folk right. and dog folk and chicken folk and uh and yeah. it, it really does stress my, my limits of belief even though i love fantasy settings so much that's why i always go planar because you get all those worlds it's just you, you connect it all and you get anything you want just bring it from that other world it's fine well uh it isn't we all have hot dogs for fingers <laughs> a lot of hot dogs for fingers well it, it is important that um you you keep whatever it is you create familiar enough to draw someone in but unique enough to stand out. And mm -hmm. that's always been uh, the design philosophy that we have. I'd say, and I got to do a discussion with this on our Discord uh, with uh, one of the members there. He said, well, I want to have an ogre wizard, you know, this very intelligent. I said, well, all well and good, but that's not an ogre. And he said, why? I said, well, an ogre represents the most primal aspect of human nature. He's big, he's powerful, he takes what he wants, he does what he wants, and he's not civilized because he's constantly filling his belly or uh, engaging in his whims. Now, you can stretch that concept if you want a magical ogre, but you would have to go to, say, like a shaman or a sorcerer, something that's primal. An ogre, in general, would not be bookish. Even even an ogre wizard wouldn't be very bookish. So you're saying in your world that would become like a different type of giant kin that has like a different aesthetic and a different culture? In, in any world, it would be that way, because you can only stretch a concept so far before it breaks. I'm all about the weird, so like I, I probably am a little less <laughs> coherent when I when I assign roles. But and uh, and and that's okay. That's okay. Just uh, understand you, that's going against type, and it's okay to go against type to a certain degree. See, a bookish ogre would still struggle against his nature, which is to dominate, to hunger for something. Like um, you could have that expressed as he's constantly hungry for more knowledge and power. He'd be an obsessive wizard. I like that spin. Yeah, the and, idea and that, that you devour knowledge good. instead. Right, right. You can and, still and, and stay that, in your ogre ballywick. Right, right. Maybe if and I, that, but if I eat you, maybe I get your knowledge. And that would work very well. That would actually be better. <laughs> I, I honestly love that. There's a, a third party class called Gourmand for Pathfinder First Edition, actually, that gets powers from what it eats, and it's tied to a an ogre kin race actually so like yeah i think that's actually even out there <laughs> right right and and that actually fits into the type very well you can still get what you want like your magic uh wizardy ogre but it's still an ogre oh. you, you don't go too far see even if uh, your dwarves aren't uh, forging mountain dwelling people they still need to be craftsmen of some sort i think if you want to like tap that archetype and that 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 fantasy well up for sure having the dwarves even yeah um like maybe be scrimshaw artists or something in a different environment would, right, think, right. but yeah. well, the dwarves represent um the industriousness of humanity the hard working aspect <clears throat> that that we have see the, the the dwarf is like the working class of the fantasy realm <laughs> <laughs> he's always uh, he's always he's very physical. He's always working very hard. He loves his family. He loves his traditions. He loves his home. 
I think the goblins muscle in on that a little bit too, because when you you've got like your your grunt goblins, there's a bunch of those too. But I think it varies world to world. But well, well, the goblins represent uh, the more cowardly, the more cringing aspect. <laughs> you have you have very specific visions for uh, a lot of your setting. <laughs> uh, well, yes, and you need to be specific. You you need to have okay. This is the way things are. This is the way it needs to be. You know, you'll have something that sets, steps outside of the norm because even an adventurer will step, that's something that steps outside of the norm. But there has to be a norm to step outside of. So do you think Serath then, generally speaking, is a pretty traditional fantasy world? Some parts of it are. Some parts of it are not. But occasionally you do bend the type. Right. See, there has to be there has to be the familiar and then the interesting enough to step outside of the familiar. So right, you, right. You, you need to have both. If you go too far out, outside, you're, it's something else. I tend to flood so much weirdness that when someone is normal or expected, they cling to that person like a life raft. <laughs> <laughs> well, like uh, uh, Spelljammer is like one of your favorite settings, right, Chris? Oh, yeah. Sp- Spelljammer and Planescape, pretty much. If you smash those two settings together, you kind of get me as a, as a GM. Right, right. And, 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 what's, and what's the norm in Planescape? Because there is a norm. Well, now, for sure, I think tieflings became the norm. That's where tieflings became part of the, the normal gaming culture, straight from landscape. Well, I'm, a, I'm, I'm speaking more to uh, the world itself. The, the norm is, uh, it's cosmopolitan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, Sigil is like the quintessential fantasy cosmopolitan right. city, right? No, nobody's really from anywhere. There, it's it's a cosmopolitan place, yep. and so uh, with that norm in place, it would be very strange to have somebody who's been there his whole life. Right. When I did my planar campaign setting, I threw out um, people were like, "Well, what's the breakdown? What's the breakdown on per- on percents of of the species population?" I was like, "It's so diverse. Nothing is more than two percent. Do you want me to put that in a, a stat block, or can we just say nothing's more than two percent? Let's not do stat blocks for it." <laughs> right. So, right. Yeah. So even uh, even something as uh, as weird and off the wall still has those norms. Yeah. There will always be some norms established. And uh, in the case of the Planescape, it would be, uh, did I say Planescape? No, that's Magic the Gathering. No, Planescape. <laughs> Planescape's oh. D&D. Yeah. Okay, right. right. I'm getting my, my stuff confused. City Sigil, one of the best PC games ever made. That's right. Oh, yeah, that yeah. The, the one Torment. with the nameless one. Torment. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That was really good. I like yeah. that. That's why I had to get Colin on my book. So I think Alec, <laughs> Alex... Is saying is it Kina is what I remember the character being named that was a oh the, the the weird fat thing that would dance yes yes the long tongue yeah the chase oh, yeah. frogs of course I tried to make it all serious when a character ran a gourmand in one of my games and then like first session after seeing somebody like he eats like a I don't know it was like an undead thing and he got like inflictions right from eating the dead undead thing first thing another player says oh it's so your Kirby. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> All seriousness, just suddenly replaced yeah. by a giant pink jiggly thing. I could just see you in slow motion. No, no. I, don't rem- I, I don't remember the last game Kirby ate a zombie, but we'll move. We'll go with Actually, it. Actually, he eats vampires sometimes too. I remember that. Oh yeah, you're right. Okay, calm with the, the speed. I think we're running down on time, so I think we need to we get some are. shots. Out. Yeah. So, uh, Caleb, if people wanted to follow your work, uh, where should they do so? Uh, you can find me on our Discord channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can just throw the link in there if you like, gentlemen. That's the best way to reach me, and uh, you can reach uh, 3D Art Digital's Patreon. Uh, 
keep paying attention to Kickstarter. Uh, Sergey and I will be launching another project soon under Soul Good Creations. Okay. I've, advanced, okay. I've designed two or three dioramas for him. Uh, mm-hmm. One is based on the Rainbow Bridge uh, from Norse mm-hmm. mythology. That, that will be our second release. The first one, we're doing a post-apocalyptic release, um, and that's going to be really good. So what I wanted to do for this uh, going forward was um, I wanted something for everybody. So it's always going to have a big model, a piece of terrain, and bases, and then small miniatures. So that's what we're doing going forward, and uh, that will be in the form of a diorama. Interesting. And in this first diorama, you have a tech knight with two rotary machine guns mounted on his arms, fighting back-to-back with a tech barbarian armed with an energy axe and shield. Um, as two raiders are taking cover behind this big armored car, and they're about to shoot him with a missile launcher. And then on the other side, about to leap upon the, the tech barbarian, is this big mutant whose face is covered by a mask with claws. Cool. Yeah. Are the Very minis nice. going to be separable from the diorama, or are they going to be integrated? Oh, of course. Oh, of okay. course. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, of course, the basis for that will be uh, post-apocalyptic. So it'll be a bunch of junk and girders and things like I that. I just got to have the mutant be able to eat a PC. So so I can take the mutant off and have it eat a PC. Then. Oh, oh, of course. Of course. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I do want to remind their listeners uh, to that you can still late pledge to the 3d printable stuff for gamers and painters, uh, which is the uh, charity campaign. You can find that over on frontiers. We'll have a link to it in their show notes. All right, everyone, anything you want to shout out to Kristen? Uh, no, no, just, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Caleb it was really great to have you. It was good being here. And, uh, I want to thank everyone who donated, everyone who supported everyone who wrote and, uh, actually had a lot of people message me directly asking about Sergey, asking about me, asking about the team. Um, thank you for that. Truly. We'll be, uh, continuing to hope for the absolute best and, uh, hope that this continues to get all the support it needs. Thank you. Uh, and until next time, I'm Jefferson J. Thacker, also known as Param. I'm Kristen Sowards, also known as Lost Fears. And I'm Caleb don't, Goodson. <laughs> don't forget to use your screen protector. I was waiting for it. Sorry. <laughs> we'll see you all next time. <laughs>